Did you hear the news? Metro PCS is now Metro by T-Mobile. Now you get new plans with unlimited high-speed data all month long. All on the T-Mobile network. Check out the new Metro by T-Mobile today and discover the smarter way to get unlimited. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. During congestion, the fraction of customers using greater than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds. And Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video streams at 4DP. Coverage not available in some areas. See store for details and terms and conditions. Hey friends, welcome to episode 61 of Steve Agee with my guest, my good friend Michael Rosenbaum from Impastor. Uh, You may also know him from shows like Smallville, where he killed it as Lex Luthor. Uh, Movies like Back in the Day, which he also directed, or Urban Legend, or Pool Hall Junkies with Christopher Walken, which we talk about, and (laughs) he's got some amazing stories about Walken. Um, Also, by the way, uh, as I'm recording this intro on July 11th, 2016, it is... Michael Rosenbaum's birthday. So, Michael, if you're listening to this, happy birthday, friend. Uh, And by the way, speaking of all those titles that I mentioned and many more, uh, if you're going to Amazon to do some shopping, I know a lot of you are are Amazon shoppers, at least for the purpose of this advertisement, you're Amazon shoppers. If you're going to Amazon to do some shopping, uh, why not click on the link for Amazon on the Feral Audio homepage or on my page at Feral Audio and go do your shopping. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra, but the artists at Feral get to see a little tiny bump. Um, so you're helping out the arts and the artists, and that should make you feel great, folks. Um, so let's get into this. I'm not going to drag these intros out very long. I'm going to try and shorten them. Uh, I want to thank Michael for doing the podcast. I want to thank you kids for listening. So please enjoy Michael Rosenbaum. Thank you. (laughs) I think you know what time it is. What time is it, Mike? Steve Agee's podcast. That nice. That's nice. Thank you. I worked on I started I started sleeping with these um noise canceling headphones on. I thought you were gonna say prostitutes. I started sleeping with prostitutes. With the noisy with noise canceling headphones. Mm. That's that's a good um and I sleep so much better now. Really? I mean I can't sleep all night with them on because they end up like around my neck or something, but like I I, I'm unable to sleep in in the mornings. Are you a back sleeper? No, side. Well, how do they not just creep up on your eyes? They they kind of do. But in the morning, once I wake up in the morning, I'm usually awake. And I'm, I'm fucked. But I started sleeping with these noise-canceling headphones. Like, I'll wake up in the morning, and then I'll put them on, 
and then just switch on the little noise canceling switch and I'll lay back down and I can usually get another hour and a really? half to two hours of sleep. I always think I'm going to do that stuff. I'll put the eye, eye things on. I'll lay on my back. Tonight's going to be the night, the first time in 44 years that I'm going to sleep on my back and I'm not going <laughs> to nope. have any problems. Nope. Five minutes. Are in, you, fuck this. I can't sleep on my back. Can't, can't. Who can? I can't even. I have problems shooting stuff. Like I've shot scenes where they're like. Or I like get knocked down or something and they have I have to lay on my back. I have a really hard time laying on just on the ground on my back. Just, Is it some kind of personal thing from when you were young? No, it's because it tilts my head back and it fucks with my vertigo. Right. You have like, vertigo? Like especially laying on the ground flat with no pillow or anything behind you. Because you with a pillow it's not as bad because my head is up a little. But like when my head starts to tilt back it, it makes the room spin. Are these first world problems? No vertigo is a fuck. Is it a real thing? It's I, I know for I like know it's twenty vertigo. years, dude. I saw. I the thought movie. you knew that. No, I do. I knew you had vertigo. I didn't know what it would affect when you're lying on your back. I didn't know. I thought it was like when you're at high, you know, altitudes or like on no, the Empire State. No, building. no, that's such a misconception. See, talk to me because about of that. that movie. Because of vertigo, people think it's about heights, but it's not. It's about like, you know, if you look down or t actually, one of the worst is. Go, when I go up and down your stairwell here. Yeah, I've got a turret. Turning. I, I, turret. You, you have a little turret. I didn't know a what a spiral, turret was. Yes, the, well, exactly. It's a spiral stair thing, and it's really hell for me to walk up and down. One of my friends said once, like, dude, you have a turret. I'm like, no, I just went to the doctor. I'm clean as a whistle. <laughs> He's like, no, no, your staircase, it's spiral, it's a turret. You're like, no, I don't curse when I... Uh, when I talk. The second word he used was sconce. So now I know what a turret and a sconce is. I'm going to say what I think sconces are. I'm not 100% sure. It's the lights that are in the wall, like on the side, like facing up. Yeah. Is that what a sconce That's is? pretty much a sconce. Is it? Yeah, it's not the thing you get at Starbucks. <laughs> Wait, what's the thing? Scone. <laughs> scones. Scones. I'll have a scones. I'll have three scones. <laughs> I love looking at you right now. We're sitting in my basement here up in Laurel Canyon, and Kermit the Frog doll is right behind your head. Do you know that? To your left. Don't get I'm vertigo. afraid to turn my... Oh, Don't fuck. get vertigo on me, buddy. There it is. Uh, hey there, Steve. I have a hole hey, in my head. Hey, I am... <laughs> Wish you could see this. It doesn't really work when you can't see it. Just imagine there's Kermit It's just the frog. a lifeless Kermit, too. No, That's the funny cool. shit with puppets when they, uh, when they, when they cut camera, like... <laughs> oh, they like just I have people who have done the Muppet show and they like they say you know and they they'll say cut and then they just the puppets just kind of fall down to the side <laughs> so sad they're just have you ever been a voice of a puppet or anything cartoons but never a puppet yeah I always wanted to be a puppet they never asked me to be on that you know uh, but I think the guys that do the puppets also do the voices right I guess they have to that'd be really weird you gotta sync up the mouth and the hand good call I think you're right um I'm here with Michael Rosenbaum. Just had a root canal. You did have a root canal yesterday. Yeah. Your first it? one. Yeah, it was kind of weird. What made you go in? F were you having pain? Oh, yeah, dude. The pressure was just unbearable. I don't know what was going on, but I was like almost in tears. And I was you like, had an abscess. Well, I don't think it got that far, but I, I, I honestly was, was a minute away from crying. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to cry in front of people. But when you get to that point of pain, it's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's just the worst. And it makes it hard to sleep. Yeah, I couldn't sleep. I was it a molar? A, I had to take a nork. Uh, it's uh, in the very back top. Uh, What's that called? 
Yeah, that's a molar. Is that a bicuspal? <laughs> no, I think the bicuspids are up towards the front. <laughs> yeah, you're right. How do you know so much about teeth and puppets? I've had to, I've had my fair share. I have horrible, I think it's genetically bad teeth. I've had, you know, like three root canals. And really? Do you, yeah. Are you a flosser? I do floss. You have fresh breath? Yeah. Fresh breath's important. The, uh, the worst one, though, my worst, uh, my worst, um, root canal was I was shooting a movie in North Carolina mm. and I was having tooth pain like you were talking about like leading up to it and my friend was like you should get that checked out before you go to North Carolina for a month oh yeah and I was like no I think it'll be okay because it just hurts for a little while and then I'm good for a few weeks and then sure enough, I got to North Carolina and the pain just wasn't going away. And then you have a cold Sprite and it just radiates throughout oh, your dude, whole that's, fucking that's horrible. Noggin. But the, um, I would, uh, it all just came, came to a head when it was a Friday night. And this shit always happens to me on like a Friday when like there's no doctors in on the weekend. <laughs> and, and we were shooting on the weekend. We're shooting through the weekend and I go to bed Friday night and just the pain just multiplied. I couldn't close my, like when my teeth would hit together, that's when it would hurt. Oh. And uh, I couldn't sleep. And I called up one of the uh, PAs. No, one of the producers. I was like, Jesus went to the top. I was like, dude, I am in the worst pain of my life. I don't know what to do. And uh, we managed to find a dentist in like we're in Wilmington and uh, like nobody's in, but we find a guy who's like, okay, he's like, all right, man. He's like, uh, I don't have an assistant or anything cause it's a weekend, but I'll meet you and I'll take a look at your tooth tomorrow morning. And I still <laughs> had to shoot that day. And so I go into this doc dentist office and he shows up, he's in a truck. He's, he's in shorts and like a t-shirt. Man, come on, get he's your like, teeth all right, out. man, let's get you in here. Let's get a look at this thing. And, um, we go in and he's like, does some x-rays. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, you got a real bad abscess. It's, it's underneath one of your, it's underneath your molar and it's pushing your molar down. So it's the pressure. The molar is kind of raised above the other teeth. So when I bite down that it's pressing on my bottom teeth and he goes, uh, we got to do this now. Well, no, he was like, I, he's like, I can't do it. Cause I don't have my assistance. He's like, but what I'll do is I'll. I'll numb you up. He's like, and I'll, I'll shave the tooth down so that it's not raised above the other teeth. I'm nauseous right now thinking about my root canal. <laughs> this wasn't even the worst part. He's like, I'll just shave it down so it's level so that that tooth isn't banging on the other teeth when oh, you close fuck. your mouth. And he did it, and it was awesome. Totally helped. Really? He's, he's like, he's like, just come in Monday and we'll do the actual. Root did you do it? Yeah. So I went in Monday. We're gonna pause. Do we have to? We can. Oh, oh, that's a phone. Hey, I'm doing the podcast with Steve Agee. What's going on? Who is? Who the uh, fuck is it? No, they hung up. Uh, <laughs> it's just so loud. I'm going to try and turn off the ringer. They heard, they heard podcasts. They just hung up. Boring. <laughs> I'm out. Nope. Yeah, assholes. Um, there it is. Look at that. It's off. So I go in my, so it was fine. Like I was numbed up for shooting and then Monday I had to shoot too, but I went in the morning. He, he did the fucking root canal. It was so bad. He's doing it. And it's going fine. And you know how they have to drill out the root of your tooth, you know, and he does it 
and he's about to fill it and he, and he does another x-ray and he's like he's like hey man he's like we didn't get it all he's like your abscess is so bad it's going down like into your jaw it's going down in the bone he's like i gotta drill a little bit further just a like a half a millimeter man and he's and he's he was a really cool dentist but he's like he's like i'm really sorry he's like this is gonna fucking hurt real bad he goes i can numb you up (laughs) he goes no matter how much i numb you up it's in a place where it's not gonna help like you're still gonna feel the pain okay so so he starts drilling and he's going and you can just hear it and you can smell the, you know, the bone or whatever. Oh. And he's like, all right, man. He's like, you're going to feel this in just like two seconds. He's like, it's only going to hurt for like a couple seconds and I'm really sorry. And then all of a sudden, like I couldn't even see like the room just went white and like. It's just, it's through your, it radiates through oh, your body. Like to ah! your, down to your fucking feet. Dude. I'm just like, my back was arched all the way out of the chair. <gasps> Like it's just my shoulder. This is such a good story because or a bad story. <laughs> it's just my shoulder and my feet touching the chair. I'm arched. oh my god. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's like, it's almost done. And then it was done. And uh, they say it's the top three worst pains of all time. Like childbirth is up there. Kidney stones. Kidney stones and root canal. Like a bad root canal. The other two, I didn't weren't even an issue for me like my first root canal i was having like a toothache and i went into the dentist and he's like oh yeah you have an abscess he's like we can fix this right now he gave me a root canal right there on the spot and it was fucking nothing oh and i had another one and it was also this is my first one but i you know we always this is great fun huh talking about how are you guys out there loving this root canal story listen to my podcast there's so much fucking uh medical shit I've had five major back surgeries. We don't have to get into that, but five from ice hockey and a bunch of other shit. But I've had some crazy. Was there stories. a specific injury that kicked it all off? I think I used to. I worked at a grocery store, Wesselman's Grocery Store in Indiana, and I was a sacker, a and, bagger. Uh, and, and a bagger sacker. sacker. <laughs> I would bag people's groceries and then punch them in the ball, sack them right in the nuts. <laughs> No, but the the big trucks would come with all the produce and stuff in the mornings and the garage door in the very back of the grocery store would open and me and Russ and Chris and we'd all get back there and Hans Hogue. Uh, Hans Hogue. Yeah, he was a big bully younger and then he became kind of cool. They went to prison, but now he's really cool again. And um, <laughs> uh, so we the, 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 the door would open and all of a sudden we'd take these boxes and like someone would throw it to Hans and Hans would throw this box to me and I just remember... This isn't good. Oh, I no. weigh about 50 cents. Oh, shit. And uh, that started happening mixed with hockey and jumping off cliffs and acting like an asshole in college. It just didn't Yeah, you, never, you do dumb shit that you never fucking think of what the possible repercussions was. I think my vertigo started, I think it's a result of a neck injury that happened at Lake Havasu water skiing. I was with a bunch of friends, and we were my friend's fucking boat. And uh, we just finished skiing for the day, and we were going to head back to the hotel, which was, like, all the way on the other side of the lake. And um, we were we were about to head back, and someone had the bright idea to, like, hey, let's... I think they called it chicken. I, I don't know, but they're like, let's see who can jump out of the boat going the fastest. So oh. what he did, he's like, my friend... 
Thought He's going to start from, from zero and just slowly start to go faster and faster. And you had to j- jump out the boat when you felt the most comfortable. Right. And the last person to jump out wins. And if you don't jump out, then you're a pussy, right? Of course. So we have like, <laughs> like, you know, 60. 20 miles an hour and people are like, fuck this, jumping out of the boat. 25, fuck this, people are jumping. I think I jumped out of the boat going like 35 that's like hitting a brick wall. Yeah. No, none of us had life vests on either. We, I just jumped out of the boat. I was the last person to jump out of the boat, by the way. It was Why'd going like 35 and it was like hitting cement. I just remember feeling my head that. crack back on the water and like just being like, why didn't I pierce the water? It was just, and I just rolled across so the top the, of the water. At the end of the day, Steve. Yeah. You're not a pussy. No, I won. That's what's good. I fucking You're won. not a pussy, Steve. I'm a 47-year-old who can't walk down a spiral But you're staircase. a tall dude. You don't have back problems, right, for the most part. Yeah, very minor. That's You know, that's like good. some sciatica issues, but if I stretch, it's fine. You're not a stretcher, though, are you? Sometimes. I, I had to start. I have I, so many friends now with back problems, and nobody... It's all the same thing. My, <coughs> my friend Tom will... I'll FaceTime and I'm like, hey, he's like, Mom, my back's out. And he's curled up like this, <laughs> like the dude from Lord of the Rings, little goblin. Goblin? Did you say goblin? <laughs> Whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> What's his name? Goblin. Gollum. Gollum. Goblin. Goblin. He's like, he's like hunched over his computer. I'm like, well, look at you, you asshole. You're a. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, eight hours. Like, do something, man. He, 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 he goes, I exercised today. I go, what'd you do? He's like, I went to the mailbox. <laughs> He's like, the mailbox is like down the street. Posture's important, man. I um, I started going, not started to, I've been going off and on for years to an acupuncturist. And um, last year I was having like lower back pains, which ended up being my sciatic nerve or whatever you call it. But, uh, and I didn't know, like it was just, it was so low in my back that it was like, going down the back of my legs so when you sleep at night you're like why do i feel like i my legs i just need to stretch them out but it's not enough and so i go in to get acupuncture i was like i'm just gonna do acupuncture it'll fix it i go in and they're like all right you're a little early and they go you should go in this room and they have this fucking bench for stretching your lower back i'll show you photos dude this episode of the ag podcast (laughs) is brought brought to you by depends it's uh it's this bench and it's got a, a post up on it at the very end of it and you and you lay on the bench and you you butt you get your butt all the way to the edge of the the foot of the bench against this post and you raise you one look, leg yeah. up the post it's like a two by four and straighten it as much as you can which for Did me isn't much and then the other leg dangles off the bench yeah. and just using gravity and you do ten minutes on each leg and then and you didn't need the doctor after that. I got up after it was over 20 minutes and I was like, um, I'm I don't good. need acupuncture because my back feels amazing right now. So I'm going to have a friend <laughs> build one for, I have a friend who's going to build one have for me. Build me one. It's so fucking great. I love it. dude. I love yeah. And they're like, dude, most people's back problems could be solved with stretching. stretching. That's true. I should stretch more. Um, masturbate more. I don't do that. You just showed me a a video of you going in for back surgery. Oh yeah. I had my assistant Jessica (laughs) videotape me while I was on, uh, what the hell was it? It's like epidural. I was having an epidural, but it was like, you know, it's like, uh, 
the stuff Michael Jackson had. Oh yeah, propofol or propofloven. Propagoblin. Goblin. Propagoblin. Propagoblin. And I said, listen, I've had many epidurals in my back. And I told my anesthesiologist, his name, coincidentally, was Dr. Krakorkian. He wore a bandana. Not Kravorkian, but Krakorkian. He's like, another epidural, huh? I'm like, yep. Hey, dude, listen, I want to I want to feel it this time. If I'm doing this many, can I just, I'm not a drug addict, but when I'm, this is, I have to have this little procedure. I like to feel it for a few minutes. I don't want to just be out like that. Because once they kick that drug in, you're like, and you're gone. Yeah. So he goes, all right, I'll ease the drug into the goblin into you. Yeah. And you saw some of it. I was just like, like you're, you're talking like walking. I'm talking like Christopher walking. I'm like, wow, I, I'm fucked up right now. This is great. <laughs> it's so funny. It's oh my up. god, dude! I was just like so out of. I couldn't put words together, and I just wanted to see what I was. Like. And I, I think if most drug addicts can see themselves like that, they probably wouldn't do. Drugs. Like, oh, I should not do this. I should not do heroin. Um, I had my appendix out when I was 18, and it was the same thing. Like I remember being in the hospital, and they came in and they gave me. I think they called it a pre-op. They injected me with something to to make me less nervous mm-hmm. and to relax me for relax the operation. Yep. So nurse comes in and she's got a needle and I'm like nervous. I'm 18. I've never had a surgery. And, and I'm like, what's that? She's like, oh, this is just a little something to relax you before the surgery. And I'm like, all right. And she gives me, I don't, to this day, I don't know what it is, morphine or whatever. But I was like, my mom was in the room and I was saying horrible shit. You bitch! No, you no, never no. cared about me. No, no, I, I don't like that shit. Like, like you know, I'm not super religious. My, my, I grew up in a religious family, but I was like, you know what? There's no God. Are you serious? Oh yeah, to my mom, and I was like, she's like, Stephen, this isn't the time. For I go, that. can you give me the? F-? There was a phone in the room. I had my own little room there, and I was like, can you give me the phone and dial Pastor Clem? I gotta, I gotta let him know. There's no God, and and she's like, no, I'm not gonna give you the phone. So I'm just being an asshole. I also hallucinated. I saw a a, guy, a door at the foot of my bed. There's just a wall, but I saw a door, and a and like a bald, like giant bald guy with a leather jacket on, like guarding this door. Sounds kind of and Santa Monica-ish. Kind of, and I was like talking to him. My mom was like, "Who are you talking to, Steve?" I'm like, that guy right there. She's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> this was the worst. That was the worst, man. That was that was back when appendix surgery was. I've now never it, had that taken out. Never, now it's a little better, you know. It's like outpatient. It's like a little incision. But that back then, it was just like a huge incision. And like you couldn't, like I couldn't walk for days. Yeah, you know what sucks? Uh, now we're getting older. You know, we're in our 40s. It's just like we don't... I mean, we know the worst is going to come. <laughs> you know? Dude, that's what makes... Bums me out. Like, and it's like knowing shit, the shit man. that is yet to come. You don't think about heart attacks until people say, yeah, you don't have to worry about a heart attack to your round. You're late 40s, 50s. Yeah, when okay. I turned 46, I was like, oh, yeah, I have a friend. My friend Todd had a heart attack at 46. Yeah. Well, My high school, like, everyone's dying. Like Cindy Sotsing just passed away. I'm like, how did Sotsing die? She like woke up dead. How do you wake up dead? <laughs> she literally she just woke up. She w- just she died in her sleep. There was really no reason. 
And somebody else got hit by a car changing a tire. I mean, these aren't things that, you know, you just never know. But I think my my class, we're missing at least a fourth of us. No, I have my roommate from high school died. I mean, he died like right after he had like a heart condition. He was in the hospital for surgery and he got up to go to the bathroom and just collapsed dead. And that was young. Now it's just like we just got to keep living, Steve. You're hearing about it. What are you doing for fun? Look at all the fun we get to have, though. Well, I think with us, the work is f- actually fun, too. We have a lot of fun. Like, I actually, people are like, oh, yeah, you, you, you were working a lot this month. What are, you, what are you doing for fun? I was like, that was fun. I love fun. <laughs> now I'm a miserable cunt. I love work. I, it's when I have downtime. and Yeah, yeah you do, do love work. And I always say there's a, there are those people who work to live and those people who live to work. And I've always, I always said that, you know. Look, if you have to work, absolutely. You're like, you got you to gotta make money. You got to work. But I, th- I do love doing a lot of nothing, too. When I can do nothing, yeah. I do love it. I think sometimes you need it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Because the hours aren't like people think it's all, you know, it's all fun. I mean, it's not always fun. It's not like the hours are, you know, it's not so glamorous as I think people always assume. Like nine to five job. Yeah. It's have you ever done a multicam? Yes. That is the best. Well, you know, I have different feelings on it. I did a couple. I did two. I did a show called The Tom Show with Tom Arnold. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Well, that was a great story. When I, I remember when I auditioned for that, it was the first thing I really tested for. And I was like this young punk and I had long hair and like I had fucked up teeth and I had this pleather jacket. <laughs> I was like Brad with rhymes with Pitt. I just looked like shit. Uh-huh. And they flew me out to test screen. And I thought, oh, I'm test screening. It's just me. And I had this sh- shirt buttoned down, like cowboy roses on it yeah. kind of shirt. <clears throat> and I remember I walked into the room at the WB Ranch. And uh, there's 20 other dudes testing. And they yeah. were all so much better looking than me. Straight teeth. Clean, straight you know. teeth. They they had just you know they're I mean just perfect jaw lines and they're all wearing. Were you not shit. living in L.A.? At the no, time? I was living in New York, and uh, so I went in there and Tom Arnold's like one of the first celebrities I ever met. Now I'm his son's godfather, believe it or not. No shit. And he's like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing, buddy?" I'm like, "Good. How you doing?" He's like, "Ready to go? Look, you got a hairy chest." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Would you shave that chest for the role?" I go, "Fuck, I'll shave your initials in it, man." <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, buddy. Let's read this, man. He starts going off book and starts fucking around and doing. And I start just joining him. He's like, "All right, get the fuck out of here." Yeah. And I left, and then all of a sudden the woman comes in and goes, "Yes, uh, can everyone? Uh, thank you very much for the day, except Michael and John stay." I'm like, "Is that good?" He's like, "Yeah, it's good, dude. We're the only two left." And so I went back in, he went back in, then I left, and I'm standing out there, and I, I call my agent, I'm like, I got, you know, I think it went pretty well. All of a sudden, I hear this whistle, and I turn around, and I see Tom Arnold smoking this big, fat stogie outside yeah. the WB Ranch. He goes, buddy! And he gives me a thumbs up, buddy! <laughs> and I go, I pointed at me, myself, I go, me? me? He's like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> what a weirdo. And I tell my agent, I think I just got the part. He's like, no, no, you wouldn't know that yet. I go, I think I did. I mean, it was it was awesome. But uh, where the fuck was the story going? <laughs> the scheduling of a fucking oh, multicam. But, but see, you think it's easy. Like, you know, it, it is. It sounds easy. Monday, you kind of fuck off. Tuesday, you have like a, more, another table read. You start blocking out scene. Wednesday, you, you're getting it on its feet, cameras. Thursday, yeah. you're really getting it going on cameras. It's getting pretty tight. And now Friday, uh, you're shooting in front of an audience and you're done for the weekend. Yeah. My issue is this. It was a shit ton of lines that were always changing and you're in front of a live audience right. and I like to have my shit down. Oh, yeah. And so Thursday night, they're like, hey, Michael, there'll be eight new pages for tomorrow's 
studio audience. Now, believe it or not, I still get a little stage fright, even though I've done tons of plays and I've done tons of sitcom shit. Yeah. I still get sometimes freaked out. So my heart's racing and it's good, but when there's that many changes, it's a lot of stress. It just right. stresses me out where now I'm doing a single camera, you know, in pastor show. And it's like, uh, at least the lines aren't changing much. You have time to figure it out. Are you There's, good at memorizing lines? I'm good. I'm horrible. But I'm not great like I used to. Honestly, when I was in my 20s, I could memorize something really quick and go for an audition for it. Now, I need a good couple days <laughs> to kind of figure it out. Did I call? I think there like was a handful of people I called like a year ago. I shot this Netflix movie. Oh, you told me it was like had ten like, pages in a monologue. I had an eight-page, eight-page monologue, and I'm usually, I'm more of a character actor. So, like, usually, I'm when I work on a show, guest star in something. It's like ten lines here or there, and it's really easy. I've never had that many lines to learn. And I remember you told me you called the director up, and you're like, uh. Yeah, I was, no, I was, te I te had texted him. He's like, he's like, yeah, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. He texted me and I go, eh, we'll see if you say that after tomorrow. I go, I'm still like, I've been trying to learn these lines for two weeks. Like anytime I wasn't doing anything, I was reading the monologue. And, uh, and I was just so, I was psych mentally psyching myself out. And he's like, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I know you shoot coverage, so you can cut around your fuck-ups and everything, but I also know that there's, you know, you got to do a master shot, and it's kind of, be kind of great if you could nail it in one take. And so uh, I go in there. I'd never at any point in the two weeks I'd tried learning this could, like, put the script down and just do it. I couldn't do it. And so I go in that morning and I'm fucking nervous as shit. Oh, and like, because it's a movie, it's not a show where I know all the people already and, and we've been working but sometimes together. Sometimes it's worse because you're fucking up in front of all your friends. I'd rather <laughs> fuck true. up with a bunch of people I don't know and give a shit your about. Friends getting like, mad at you. He, AG really blows. But I go in and he's like, all right, he's like, we're going we're gonna to shoot the master first, the wide shot. And he's like, just do your best to get through it. Nailed it. Nail every time so we did it, pressure. I got all the way through it. It was so weird. It, I've I, had I have had times where it's just like it, it hasn't worked. Like I've had, as many times I could say like oh eighty five ninety percent of the time I think I'll nail it or I'll give them. A, but there's been those moments I did this movie with Wes Craven and it it bombed. But you know I remember he, he wrote me a letter and said hey man I. I'd love you to do this movie and blah, blah, blah. So I said, sure, I don't even need to read the script. I want to work with Wes Craven. I don't give a shit what it is. If I'm <laughs> shitting for an hour. Yeah. And I went in there and he like, when I got there, he was like, hey, we're going to change that whole thing, that whole speech that you, you give to Christina Reacher, this whole thing, whatever. I go, why? I, I loved it. <laughs> I'm just, I loved it. And I memorized yeah. it. He's like, no, 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 we're going to change it. Uh, at lunch, we'll, we'll do some rewrites. Uh, you can help me out on that. And we'll, we'll look at it. We'll just make it a little better. And Jesus. so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting for him to like, so we go to lunch and he's like, yeah, come to my trailer and we kind of start writing this shit. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you say this and this, say this and we'll go through this and this. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, I got to do this right after lunch. And now I'm just trying to put it together. And I remember it was like 14 takes. And I just was like, and I got it, but he wanted it a certain way on top of just getting the lines out. Now you have to do it his way. Yeah. And I just remember how nervous I was. And it was Christina Ricci and all these people. And I felt like I walked out. I go, you Rosen bombed that one. <laughs> Ro 
rose and bombed. <laughs> I mean, I probably did all right, but it wasn't it wasn't great. And that's happened a few times in my life. It's just like, yeah, uh, I'm human. I just walked out of there. I go, fuck it. I've had a few instances with scenes like that where I never felt great about it, but they're like, all right, we got it. And you're like, I don't think I got it. And they're like, no, we got it. It's good enough. The worst. The, the worst. worst. Good that enough. That is the worst phrase is good enough. Mm. You ever had that during sex? That yeah, was good enough. Eh. At least you came. <laughs> At least you came, Steve. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been fired? No. Oh. You? Sure. I was fired two years ago before I got in pastor, which was a godsend. Uh, I was doing this show with one of my heroes who's become a good buddy is Bruce Campbell. Oh, Evil shit. Dead and, you know, Briscoe County Jr. and all that shit. And he's doing that. The new Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yeah. Fucking, you know, who doesn't love Bruce Campbell? Yeah, he's great. <gasps> Him, Kristen Ritter, um, bunch of great people and big director and NBC. And it's, it was going to be a huge show. And I remember I'm on set, read through, did two read throughs. Yeah. In fact, I remember the director, uh, Scardini, Don Scardini, calling me going, dude, they freaking love you, man. I'm like, oh, you know, oh, no. this is what they do in Hollywood. Yeah. They love you. The dailies, four day, five days in out of a seven-day shoot, he'd come up to me, go, my wife and I were watching your dailies. Dude, you're going to love this. Hilarious. No. I'm like going, oh, my God, this is this is it. Oh, you no. know, it's small, but this going to be the first thing that, you know, takes off. Everything's great. We shoot the rest of the pilot. I think everything's great. And then I know, I remember the uh, creator called me and said, hey, we want you to come and do some ADR and we're going to change some lines. And then they changed some other lines. And then they took this out and this out. I go, what's going on? He's like, well, we think his character's too politically incorrect and they think you might want to make him nicer and more like well, that's not really what I wanted to do. And it was kind of this weird thing. Then they, they say, hey, can we screen it at your house, the pilot? So they screen the pilot on a Wednesday at my house. This house? My house. Right in here. We're sitting in right now next to Kermit the Frog on the couch. <laughs> the Star Wars pillows and the drum set and, yeah. and the marijuana. And we we watch it here and I watch it and I was like, yeah, you know, it's not, I liked it. It was, you know, it was good, but everybody's here. All the actors are here and we have pizza and I bought it. And uh, Is this a pilot or is it an actual it's a series? pilot. Okay. But they have high hopes for it. Yeah. Will Ferrell's producing it. Yeah. My hero. Friday is the decision that they make that's a network. Last minute, they pick it up for five episodes yeah. as a mid-season replacement. Everybody's yeah. kind of bummed. They're like, all right. Call my agent. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Then I get a call from the director and creator, which who I love. And they said, hey, dude, we don't even know how to tell you this. Uh, we just screened this at your fucking house. And I go, what? He's like, oh, no. uh, we got to let you go. And I go, where? <laughs> He's like, well, the network, go, go to they, other the network says that they're only picking it up for five, and they just think that they have two characters that are too, you know, whatever. And we got like, you know, go, all right, well, it's not, let's, let's not be weird about this. I love you guys. It was awesome. Yeah, that's it. And I remember kind of sitting in my office, just kind of numb. Like I've done this a lot, and I've been through a lot, and things that didn't get picked up, and movies that bombed, and this that didn't work was out. Was this the NASA show? Yeah. And they, well, the only good that. thing is, is they ended up not even picking up the five. Right. They ended up not shooting any. And I, I, I was bad because I, you know, I was rooting for the guys. I loved all of them. But I was at yeah. the same time, like, I remember sitting there kind of like, 
And then something dawned on me. Maybe it's a very nuanced moment of maturity for old Rosenblatt. Yeah. Where I was like, you know what? This is good for you, dude. You got fired. This is good for you. And I tell you, it was. I remember just, just, it makes you more humble. But was it fired or did they cut that character? No, they tried to recast the character, couldn't find it, and then ended up canning the show. Never never cast him. Oh, they never even shot the five episodes? Never shot him. But regardless, it was like the moment where I was like, oh, shit, man. It's an ego. It it deflates the ego. It's like, holy shit, you weren't good enough. Somebody didn't like you. You're fucked. You're dead. And you just got to say, hey, man, this is the business. I've replaced. You know, here's a funny story. Quick. Yeah. Jeremy Renner. I did this show called Zoe, Duncan, Jack, and Jane for the WB Network, a sitcom, for a year. I went in. They fired Jeremy Renner. <laughs> no way. Jeremy Renner, right, who's a great actor. Yeah. Called me in. I watched the pilot. I walked into the room, and they go, hey. And I go, why am I here? He was great in the pilot. Yeah. You guys are crazy. And they go, well, that's because this, what you're doing right now is what we want. I'm like, I don't even understand that. What? Oh. It's It's so... It's one person going, I don't know, at the top, and everybody oh, else, go, and everybody else going, oh yeah, because you're my boss. You're right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, it's, no nobody has balls. Nobody takes risks. I dealt with that uh, two years ago. God, it may even have been three years ago. I did a pilot for NBC with Craig Robinson. It was called Mr. Robinson. It was Craig Robinson's show. It was a single camera, single camera pilot. Um, from the guys, so many of the writers and producers from the office, the office had just ended and they're like, we're going to give Craig his own show and all these people are going to work on it. Um, and the pilot was so fucking funny. And I went in an audition to, and it, it, he played a guy who was uh, a musician and, uh, but he wasn't a famous musician. So he had to have a day job. He was like a te- he taught, music at a school you know he went in i think as a substitute and like they kept him on so part of it is him you know being a musician you know after school hours and then there's stuff shot in the school and so i went into audition for part of his bass player who's just like a total stoner burnout it was the typecast it was the ideal it was the type of role (laughs) where you're like I hope to God I get this. I This is a part I want more than any because I'm playing a dumb stoner. All the lines are fucking golden like out of this guy's mouth. And, uh, and I play bass. So I go in and I audition for producers and they were all fucking laughing. And it was Steve Pink was the director who directed Hot Tub Time Machine who I, I'm just a huge fan of. And, uh, you know, all these fucking Greg Daniels, Tracy Katsky, all these people yeah. in the room and uh, ha- had such a great audition. They, ke- I, The audition just kept going. They're like, do this, try this. And they were all fucking laughing. And I could feel inside. I was like, I, I think I have these people in the palm of my hand, which was really empowering. And my audition was so good. And then uh, they're like, do you play an instrument? Oh, and I go. Yeah, I play bass guitar. I go, I went to music school to learn bass guitar. And they were like, all right. And they go, can you go home and put yourself on tape playing bass? I go, yeah. So I went, I recorded, you know, playing everything like funk, playing just all sorts of stuff. What the funk? Like uh, within a few days, they were like, 
my agents were like, you got it. They, they, this is yours. And so, uh, it was the best fucking time I got to go in and play on like the theme song and like to record, like I, you know, Craig wanted to actually play the music. So I got to go into a studio with Craig and like all these people and play music and it was so fucking fun. And then shooting it was so fucking fun. We shot all the concert stuff at the mint, you know, you know, the, yeah, 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 the of mint. course. Awesome. And, uh, and it was like Steve little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so like, what happened? What the fuck did they do? And then we had the screening at Tracy Katsky's house and it was so fucking funny. And while we were shooting it, by the way, everyone was like, this was the show that all the people from NBC during pilot season were on set, like watching. They would come by to visit and everyone was like, yeah, dude, those they're not going to any of the other pilots. Like, and everyone's like, this is the show that they're like fucking banking on. They're like, they fuck, everyone loves the show. The table we read was great. It was Jean smart was in it. She played the principal uh-huh. and, and oh, the casting was so fucking great. And then, uh, so we finish it and, uh, upfronts were coming, coming up. And I mean, for those people listening who don't know upfronts are where, where they announce the, the television, new, the shows new shows for the, for the fall for, season, for the next season. And so usually like a week before Upfront. Huge party. Everybody's sucking each other's dick off. Yeah. So usually the week leading up to Upfront is when they start canceling shows. Like like they're announcing, all right, we're done with this show. We're done with this show. So that whole week, NBC was like just getting rid of shows, which was good for us because we're like, well, there's going to be more space. Mm -hmm. They're going to need to fill space because they don't have shows. So we're like, this is great. And oh, Kamal Nanjiani was in the was in the pilot too. And so it was like the Friday before the upfronts, which is usually they've announced the new shows. Like, and then they have the upfronts and people come in and it's a big party. So it was like the last day, it was Friday. And it's always a Friday. And so Kamal and I were in a bar just hanging out, just hitting refresh on deadline.com to see you know, if NBC was picking up the show or not. It gets to the end of the day. They have not announced. They have announced every show that they're picking up, every show they're canceling, even shows that pilots that they made that they were passing on, they were announcing that no word was ever said about Mr. Robinson, which was weird because they didn't say they were passing on it. They didn't say they were picking it up. And Craig... Craig texted me. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. They're going to decide over the weekend. He's like, just, it's going to be cool. Don't worry about it. So the weekend goes by. Upfronts come on Monday. NBC upfronts. No mention of the show. Like a week goes by. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Then NBC decides to extend everyone's options to the end of the year. Oh, no. So basically. They pay you again? Well, I was hired as a guest star with the stipulation that if it got picked up, I would probably become a regular. So I didn't get paid to wait. But so you just waited for free. Yeah. So basically they had till the end of the year to decide if they wanted to pick up the show now. And so I've like forgotten all about it now. You went through three root canals, fucking neck vertigo procedure. Yeah. Finally, it's the end of the year. It's like. The like I think the day before they have to decide, and uh, and then I see in Deadline 
NBC picks up Mr. Robinson. They pick up the show. I'm like, fucking great. And then uh, I call, I text my friend Amanda, who is in the in the show as well. And I, I go, hey, this is good news, right? And she goes, what are you talking about? I was fired a month ago. And I go, what? She's like, yeah, they let me go a month ago. They, they released me. And then I started getting nervous. And then uh, Jesus, I texted Craig. He's Probably like, "No, nah, dog, you're good. you're in." He's like, "This is good news. We're gonna." He's like, "I hope you're ready to work, dog." And I was like, "All right." And then, uh, but I still hadn't heard anything from my agents or anything. And then I think it was the next day. I woke up and it was like a horrible day. Like a bunch of shit was. I forget what, but it was like one of the worst days of my life. So much bad shit was happening that I told a friend. I go. So much bad shit has happened today that it means something good is about to happen. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, my phone, my phone rings and I look and it's Craig Robinson and I go, yeah, something good's about to happen. I told you. And I answer and I go, hello. And his voice, I could just hear it in his voice. He goes, what's up dog. And he sounded really sad. I go, oh no. He's like, they, uh, they've decided to make it a multi-camera show. They're firing everybody, including the showrunners. Greg Daniels, who was like the showrunner of The Office, they're fucking firing idiots. him. What, what Steve's telling you in this story is that these people are idiots. They're all idiots. Yeah. Was, Mo- 95% of idiots who, yeah. who have like marketing degrees. A great show. It was a great, and I'm I'm biased, granted, but it. I saw it and I was like, this is really fucking funny. I would watch this. Or did you honestly, when that happened, were you numb? Like I was numb when he was yeah, telling it's a me. Numbing feeling. He's talking to me on the phone. You didn't even hear him, and I wasn't even hearing him. I was like, I can't believe they're fucking changing the show. Are you a crier? Sometimes Do you cry in front of people. Um, like therapists, I'll cry. Really? Like in a movie? If a movie's, uh, yeah, I'll cry. I'm a crier. I'm a John crier for sure. I mean, I'll do it. I didn't cry for this, but I was just like. Wow, this is uh, this is one of those stories, those typical LA it stories. It just made, honestly, it's so and this stupid. was a long so story, cliche. by the way. <laughs> but you know what? It makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah. Really, I, I know it sounds stupid, but it really does. As bad as I mean, I, we've all had this shit. That's like you know, I mean, it sucks when it's like you know, it's like your dream is your dream to come out to Hollywood, California, to become an actor, to do all these things. And yeah, sometimes you want things so bad, and you're like, just it almost seems like when you don't give a shit or you don't care as much. That's when things happen. Yeah. I always find when I want something so bad, I'm just not going to get it. My show just didn't get picked up that I shot. I just told you that. Right? Oh, your talk show thing. Yeah, I had a talk show and it didn't, it didn't get picked up. We're shopping around, but everybody who saw it, I showed it to like 50 friends and they were all laughing going, this is a no yeah. brainer. This network has nothing. They're going to do When people say slam dunk done, I know that's a bad sign. Oh, <laughs> that is the fucking you're curse. done slam dunk dude you got this you're a star how many times i remember i did this movie urban legend steve mm-hmm. and nick neil neil moritz huge movie producer now he came up to me i swear to god yeah and he said man we've been watching dailies you're like i already told the head of the company you're like the next tom hanks <laughs> and i'm a kid i'm 27 i'm yeah. like you're i called my mom i'm tom hanks what I'm fucking the next Tom Hank. I'm not fucking him, but, and, you know, thinking as a kid, I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy thinks uh, maybe I have a, you know, movie comes out, does okay. 
Never have heard from Neil Moritz again. I was his young Tom Hanks. The guy's done uh, 50 movies. I didn't, but that's just the business. It's not like any yeah. bad. He's not like a bad guy. He thought at the time, hey, this kid. Yeah. But this is, you got to, that's why when you come out here, I always tell people, don't come to LA unless you have a fucking job. And don't listen to anything oh, yeah, anybody yeah, says. Yeah. Do your work, go home, and expect to get fired. Don't don't care so much, and it's hard not to care sometimes. Don't think you have a job until you're on set and the cameras are rolling, and even then, yeah, let your paycheck not. get a paycheck and yes. say, "Hey, I got paid. I'm getting paid no matter what. They have to pay me. I'm working. That should be enough. It's never enough." And don't buy a house until you're in like four, se- three or four seasons. Oh God. Um, yeah, I've heard so many times like. This is yours. You fucking nailed that audition. You're the one that they want. Yeah. And then you just never hear again. No. No, but I think as we get older, we start to go, okay, this is, you know, I think when we're younger, we have these aspirations. Like, I'm going to become a huge movie star. I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be, and then those things become less important. It's just like, hey, I just want to work and do something. I just want to pay my bills. I want to pay my bills and do something I love. That'd be awesome to actually do something you really enjoy doing. Yeah. So that's the thing. If you could do something, you have fun, whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's always a key thing. You know, what do I know? How did you, uh. Did you have to audition for Impastor, or was that something that was written for you? No, it's funny. I got fired from Mission Control, it was called. Right. And then a month later, I got a call from my agent saying, hey, um, you know, uh, Eric Tannenbaum wants you to do this new show. He wants you to read. I'm sending the script over. And I read it. And Eric Tannenbaum, I did a pilot that didn't get picked up with Henry Winkler and Leslie Bibb and John Michael Higgins and a bunch of funny people. Uh, Missy... uh, Pile? Pile. Fuck. Oh, fuck. Love. I love Missy. Fucking love. And uh, this pilot didn't get picked up. They, again, the network fucked it up. They fired the creator after the first week, hired these two guys who ended up doing the X-Men movies, but they had never done multicam, and the show just wasn't very good. It just didn't right. pan out. So Tannenbaum said, hey, we're going to work together. And you always hear that in Hollywood, but this actually came through. Oh, Tannenbaum God. sending you a script. I, sent, I read the script. I go, man, this is pretty good. They say shit in it. It's a little darker. It's just fuck. I say cock in it. And this guy who's a con man pretending to be a, a gay pastor in this weird little yeah. town. <clears throat> Single cam. So it's yeah. kind of like shot like a movie. This is cool. And, and you get I, to go back to Vancouver. Yeah. But the good thing, I did small for 10 months a year and I was bald and shaved my balls and everything for that show. <laughs> so I read, and then he says, yes, for TV land. I said, oh, no, pass. I passed. He's like, no, 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 we want to talk to you about this. Did you even read it? Yeah. But they said it's for TV land after that. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do I love Betty White, but I'm not going to do Gilligan's Island. Yeah, that's a weird, yeah. Well, you think that, but then he goes, meet with me. He says, listen, TV land is changing their whole network now, which they actually have done. They want to shoot the script as is. Yeah. They want to do this like... And he's like, hey, I want you to come along for that. I want you to be an executive producer. I want you to help make decisions. I want, I'll want. i take you to the head of Viacom, and we'll sit there, and, and we have these conversations. Where I could say cock. I could say shit. We're going to do all this. We're not going to take it out and say we could do it and then hire me. Then I'm stuck into doing a show that I'm not, I don't like. <laughs> right. And, and they said, no, we're going we're gonna to do this. And so I said, okay. And the next thing you know, I was shooting a pilot. And it's funny because, again, all the shows, like when I saw Smallville, it was the only time in my life where I go, this I might be noticed for this show. This is going to be a huge show. By the way, Smallville, and I was never into comic books or anything, or like had never even seen a WB show or anything. Uh, 
I had a roommate who was way into comic books, and he's like, he's like, dude, this, this, there's a show, this Superman show that's premiering. It's like an origin of Superman, like, or it's like Superman when he's a kid in Smallville. I was like, oh, all right, and I had nothing to do that night, and I sat down, and I watched the pilot with him, and we fucking watched Smallville every fucking week. <laughs> For like a few seasons. Yeah. You were fucking great, Lex oh, Luthor, too, by the way. Thank you. Um, how that, there's a funny story. There's a lot of stories about that. I mean, talk about being scared. I mean, you're talking about. That's an iconic fucking character. It, it was so scary. Gene I, Hackman was fucking Lex Luthor. I remember they were like, when I went in and I was like, I, you know, I don't want to do this. If it's going to be like, you know, corny, like, you know, I, I didn't know how good they were going to make this. I didn't know the quality of this. And I went in and I remember gave the audition of my life. I remember the cast member, it's okay, sit there. And I go, no, I don't want to sit there. And I remember them saying, we auditioned 700 other actors. And I go, well, what other 700 actors are doing wrong? What are they fucking doing wrong here? And they go, well, we just want, I go, what do you want? I remember it was the first time I was really like, what do you want? I don't want to go in there if I don't know what you want. Right. We want you to be charismatic. We want you to be dangerous. We want you to be funny. I had three pages of dialogue, no script. I wrote, be funny here, be charismatic here, and be dangerous right here. Yeah. And I went in and I did the scene and I stood up and I go, now nah, I'm going to stand up. And the cast director looked perturbed, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. She's like, uh, okay, I'm going to have to change the lighting. You're going to have to give me a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, you're going to fucking do it. I didn't say that, but I'm like confident. I'm like, fuck you. I don't care. I'm, I, I want to do it my way, not yeah. your way. You're not auditioning. Yeah. And that's honestly. You have God, a job. I, yeah, I'm trying to get one. You're sitting there doing nothing and, and making money for it. Yeah. You press the red button. No. No. And honestly, I mean, they were great, but they, I did this audition and I walked out going, I always have this, this, this sort of tradition or sort of like this thing that I do where after I walk out of a room. An audition, I rip up the paper in half and I throw it in the wastebasket before I leave the, not right in front of the cast, yeah. but outside the room. And uh, I do that and I kind of say, hey, that's it. You did what you had to do. Leave it, it at let, the door. Leave yeah. it at the door, dude. And I got to call my agent. goes, they want to test you at the network and the studio. They want to do it all. They loved you, blah, blah, blah. And I go, that's not going to happen. What? This is the moment of your life. This is going to change your career. You're going to go from Zoe Duncan, Jack, and nobody to fucking Lex. Tom Arnold, worst show in the history of television, to Lex Luthor. Yeah. I go, I can't. He goes, what do you mean you can't? I go, I, I ripped up the paper. I go, I ripped up the paper. We'll make you new sides. <laughs> I go, I'm no, not no. a printer paper. <laughs> no, I said, I, I got to trust me on this one. I'll never be half as good as I was in that room yesterday. Yeah. I need you to go back. And You're like, you to, I can't recreate that. I need you to tell the creators and the producers to rewind the tape and play it again. And anytime they need to see it again, they just need to keep rewinding it. I'm not going in there. I was petrified. I go, I can't do this. They they saw it. If, if 700 other guys weren't doing right, I'm doing something right, then, then I'm the guy. Yeah. And it was the first. I don't recommend this. I, I it was You really didn't go back and fear test? I never went back and tested. Jesus. And they called me up and said, you got it. Did you have hair when you auditioned? Yes. And I told, and I remember on the pot, I remember going, they're never, I'm such a goofball. I'm like, I run around naked with my friends and I do stupid shit. I'm farting. I'm like this immature guy. I can't play Lex Luthor, this megalomaniacal billionaire genius who yeah. like is going to, you know, I can't, I'm like, me and I'm, they're going to fire me. I'm never going to make it past the pilot. I'm yeah. never going to make it past the pilot. I get on there and they shaved my head and all of a sudden I look in the mirror and I had this brand new confidence because I looked so different 
And I yeah. just became, and I said, you know, I'm just going to be real. I'm going to do what I do. And hopefully, the, I, I never read comic books. I never did all that shit. Yeah, me neither. So I, I said, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to try to emulate Gene Hackman, who's a genius, or other, I'm just, I just, I'm just going to play it real. Yeah. I'm gonna keep it real and see what happens. I remember we were in this tank where Clark saves me at the end of the episode. And he dives under the water. And he saves me in this car. I had to be in this 12 foot tank submerged with this big weight on me to hold me in the car. No shit. And I had this tank and we had to take these snorkeling class and this, all this shit. Jesus, and dude. And I get down there and I go down there and I'm like, <sighs> I'm not Darth Vader, but I'm underwater. And uh, I could hear, Michael, are you ready, Michael? Faintly. And I was supposed to give the thumbs up. And the thumbs up quickly went to thumbs down. <laughs> and I, Michael bolted right out of there. I fucking Christian bailed right out of Michael the car. Michael bolted. And I fucking swam up to the top. And I go, I can't do this, man. I'm 12 feet underwater. I can't fucking do this. I'm freaking out. And Welling's looking at me, Superman. I'm like, I'm soups. I can't do this. He's like, listen, dude, you're fine. We can do this. You just take your time. I go, oh, man, they're going to fire me for sure, man. I can't fucking go underwater. I'm a pussy. I can't do this. And somehow I calmed down. That's a lot to ask. And I got under the water and I held my breath and said, you're going to fucking do this. And the director said, awesome. We got it. And I'm like, fuck. It was really one of those moments. And I remember going to see the first cut of Smallville, just like the pilot, the opening scene, the director, David Nutter, who does all the game, a lot of the Game of Thrones. Yeah. And he goes... I want to show you the first opening scene. Yeah. And I saw it and I walked out. I never done this before ever. I usually, my dad's like, Hey, how's this? I go, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I failed again. I'm a failure. <laughs> but this time I called my mom and dad when they were still together. Sad story. <laughs> but, and I said, Hey, <clears throat> get dad on the phone too. Hey, what's up? You know, that show I shot Smallville. Yeah. This is the one. Yeah. What? I think I'm going to get recognized for this one. I think that the show will get recognized. I think people might know this. This is my me. break. This might, this is the break. Yeah. Go, what? I mean, this is, a, the, my dad's like, I remember in hockey, I go, dad, I scored three goals. Well, Michael's a weak goalie. He's like, you know, hey, I'm doing a movie. Is it a real movie? Yeah. yeah? W w who's in it? I go, well, it's an independent. Independent. That's not real. <laughs> or if you say I'm doing a short film, well, yeah. there's no such thing as a short film. That's not a real film. Yeah. But this was like something that I knew was, so even like in, on the pastor, I thought the pilot I shot, I watched it. Go, it's good. It's not gonna get picked up. Got picked up. It is. Watched good. the first season. I go, eh, it's not gonna get picked up. Then they're just not gonna pick it up. They picked it up. I was so wrong, even though I loved it. But, it is a know. good show. I was like, I remember when you were going up to uh, to Vancouver to shoot it. I was like, I was like, TV Land. Exactly. I go, do yeah, they do I shows? I was like, I thought they just did like. Gilligan's Island yeah. runs exactly everybody thinks that and I was like but part of me was also like well I, I guess that also means there's nothing to lose you know yeah and then I then uh I saw it and I was like this is fucking really funny it's a fucking really funny yeah. show I love it I, I, and I'm all and I, and I kept you know the more I would watch it I was like I can't believe he's saying shit on TV land. Smoking pot, <laughs> dressed up in a... Yeah. Smoking pot, pretending to be gay, pre you, pretending I gotta get, to be I'm a I'm pastor. I'm not just saying this because Hollywood people say this, but we're friends, but I... I, I you got it. I got to get you on that show. Yeah, man, You'd what the fuck? You'd be hilarious. What the fuck? No, well, here's the... Th well, there's there's a lot of things going on, but uh, with casting and, like, it's shot in camp. I know, so yeah, yeah. But, like, hey, so what's great about this is, like, I... 
I, the casting director, I give them a list. I'm just like, these are my friends. If they're right yeah. for anything, please bring them in. And they did. Yep. Even for the pilot, all my you know girlfriends, they, they not my girlfriends, but the girls that are friends. The female friends. They, yeah, I mean, look, I always try to help. Look, we're in this business. It's usually our friends that hire us. And I'm my happy. My friend Dax. AG, you and I have been in three movies together. With Dax. With Dax. Shepherd, yeah. Dax Shepard has cast us three times. We are both in the this Chips is, movie. And not all friends do that. You know, we have other Dude, friends we're in Chips. We, yeah, well, I, got, I got fired from that. No. I didn't get fired. They just cut the scene. It was, uh, but it was, there was a reason for it. I absolutely understood. Dax called me. See, this is a good thing when you're friends with the director. He's like, listen, this is one of the funniest scenes in the movie. I freaking love it. I'm going to show it to you. You'll, you'll say, why is it cut? I'm going to show you why. Cause it didn't make sense. It was the opening scene and this and this, and it makes this character look, we just could, it just didn't make sense. Yeah. And I go, I, I get it. It's happened. I don't. My scene could also easily be cut. It's. I thought one, it was. Dex told me. Oh, I don't, no. <laughs> no, Dex. I wouldn't be surprised. It's literally just me as a cab driver. Like you're not cut. I don't. My scene does not advance the story at all. You have a face for movies. Uh, but it was fun. It's fun to go in well, for even for a day to just work with your friends. Oh, dude. Yeah, it really is. Uh, yeah, a lot of my friends, like, it's funny, it's relationships. This business, I don't even know what, sometimes I think, why do I have an agent or a manager? Because, honestly, when you work with so many people after a certain amount of years, you start getting calls from, hey, he did this, he'll be good for that, or he did this. So it's like you're paying commission. Because I, I told my guys, I'm like, 90% of the roles I get now are either Dax <laughs> or somebody who worked on Smallville or in Pastor or some oh, yeah. movie I did, and they're asking me, so it's relationships. But, you know, it's part of it. Yeah, most of the work I get is through through friends. You know, I have a recurring part on New Girl. Yep. And that was because the director I had done sketch shows with in the 90s, like in not TV sketch shows, but like around Hollywood and like different. We we would rent a theater and do sketch shows together. This guy, uh, Fred Goss, who's a director. What? Yeah. Do you know Fred? Dude, Fred just directed two episodes of Impastor. On the mic. Fred just directed two Oh, he did? Of Impastor. We have, known, to call, we have to text his ass. I've known Fred since the 90s. He did two episodes. In fact, he did the first one, and then the creator goes, hey, what do you think of Fred? I go, he's great. So yeah. we, got, we got him back for another episode. I liked him. He was great. He was directing an episode of New Girl. It was season two, I think, and they're, they had a part for like a homeless guy that might become recurring. But at that point, it wasn't recurring. And he was like, he's like, I think my buddy Steve Agee would be great. And Aaron O'Malley, who was the uh, EP on the show, was also the EP of the Sarah Silverman show. She's like, oh, my God, that's fucking great. Why didn't I think about that? She's like, yeah, I didn't even have to audition. It was like one line as a homeless guy. And it turned into, I've done like fucking 12. That says a lot. But when you do one line and they're like, hey, we want to bring him back. What? That happened. I did a pilot for this show. It's the same thing. I went in and Adam Goldberg and uh, uh, Happy Madison were producing it. And he goes, hey, come in and do whatever you want. So I dyed my hair and spiked it up and wore these Uggs and jeans and for this <laughs> show called Breaking In. Yeah. I did this one scene and they let me improvise. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm on screen for one minute. One minute. Yeah. And after that, they called me and said, hey, we want to make a deal with you. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah. So I ended up doing it in the first season of the show. So... I mean, that's what, there are no small parts, man. No, it's, and it's all, you know, yeah, I owe that to Fred. What about and, Sarah Silverman show? Yeah, that was because Sarah was one of my best friends. We were hanging out. and There you go. She wrote that part for me. And See? Comedy Central, and that was my first TV gig. I had just been doing like commercials and stuff. And come, she's like, they were casting the pilot. She's like, uh, yeah, this is for my friend Steve. 
And they're like, we don't know who that is. We have to have auditions for other people. And she's like, no, this is for Steve. Like, we don't know who that is. We can't just blindly. Too bad. She goes, it's going to be Steve. And they go, we have to see video. And so Sarah called me and she's like, I, I used to just film dumb shit in my apartment, just dumb videos. And I would show them to Sarah and she thought they were so fucking funny. Like there's one video I made called Cry Baby where it's just different shots of me walking around my house naked and crying. And there are a bunch of I videos. I still do that. There's a bunch of videos I would do for holidays where I'm masturbating because it's a holiday. Like, like I, there's a video called Halloween where I wake up in the morning and I go, oh my God, it's Halloween. And then the next, it's a hard cut of just overhead above my bed of me just jacking off. I black bar my dick, but it's me just jacking off going, and I'm wearing a mask going, oh, miniature candy bars. Oh, trick or treat. And this, Sarah's like, just put these videos on a DVD and I will send them to Comedy Central. And that got me the part. There's <laughs> all these videos of me jacking off naked. And- so the rule, I guess, guys out there are thinking, it's just like pretty much become with someone, become friends with someone you think is going to become famous or very successful. Oh, and yeah. Then they'll get you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And rely on them to always hire. And by the way, my first commercial was through uh, Fred's wife. Jesus. I have so many. I have a lot of friends who have... You know, who have done huge stuff. I, it just, I, well, we can't talk about some stuff, but yeah. Uh, but someday, uh, someday, some. Well, Mike, it's been this has been it's fun. Been an hour. Uh, I I want you to tell the, the Flash story because it's it's a story I've told friends. And I feel like I've probably embellished shit, but like I have a friend that I play video games with. His gamer tag is Flash Two Thousand. Based and he story. doesn't even know you. He heard the story from someone else, and his screen name is based on this story. Well, I was Anson Mount, who's on the show Hell on Wheels, who's a buddy who's in this movie Pool Hall Junkies that I did years ago, which I love, with Christopher Walken, Chaz Palminteri, Rick Schroeder, the late uh, Rod Steiger. And I, I was like, I can't believe I'm working with Christopher Walken. I mean, I'm working from the guy from Pulp Fiction. I mean, yeah. Yes, what was it? Um, what was the story about? He kept this watch in his ass for five years. Your father died of dysentery. I mean, damned if some damned if some yeah greasy yellow slope get his hands on <laughs> your father's wristwatch. So watch one place in that we could. His ass. Anyway, I knew all the lines from all those movies, and I was just like, "Holy shit!" I'm working with Christopher Walken. And I walk up to Christopher Walken, and I said, "Hey, eat the mic." I said, "I walk up to Christopher Walken, and uh, I'm nervous as shit." And I go, "Hey." I'm, I'm, my name is Michael Rosenbaum. I'm I'm doing this movie with you. I'm playing so and so. Um, Danny, um, should I call you Chris? Should I call you Mr. Walken? I don't know. Just call me Flash. <laughs> and he walked away. Call me Flash. And I remember going, okay, wow, all right, this is wow, that's a story. <clears throat> and the next day on set. Walken's doing this big scene with Palm and Terry. If you watch the movie, it's really funny. He says, you said it, Joe. Bet it all. That's how his inflection. And I walked up to him. I go, hey, Flash. <laughs> and he just kind of turned away and did something else. And I go, Flash. <laughs> Still nothing. <laughs> hey, Flash. Remember? He goes, I'm sorry. Am I missing something? I don't, I don't understand. What? And I acted like nothing ever happened. Like he never said it. 
just like <laughs> what and walked away and Anson mounts with me there he's like what the hell was that was he there was was your friend there when he said call me no uh, Anson wasn't with me when I first saw him, I was like excited to say hey I got it in with walking I'm calling him you know, I call, he gave me a nickname to call him a nickname to call him call me Flash yeah I mean it was just like Jesus Christ it's fun when you work with your eyes. But then though. didn't he, at the end of the shoot, didn't he sign, someone said he signed your script or something, he, and he signed he it signed, No, he signed my, uh, the King of New York, and he's, I have it upstairs, I can show you, he says, I think you put the flash, he says to Michael, Chris Walken, 2002, or whatever it was, and he circled it, and he kept saying it. Is that what I, is that right? Yeah, like he just... Like, like he was fucking with you the whole time. Oh yeah, he, the, well completely. Like he would, like the Flash was like, so, and he just, I think he was just giving me shit. And he looked at me, he looked at kind of a smile on his face, and goes, "Yeah, I know, I know." To to Michael, I go, Chris Walken. Like I was telling him, and he goes, "I know, I know who I am." <laughs> Chris Walken. He says he writes it out, and he was he says circles and goes, "Chris Walken." The go, Flash, and he goes. And then he puts the flash or something. And then he puts 2016 and then he circles that and he goes, or 2000. 2000, what, I think. 2000, yeah. It says 2000 through that camera. It's been so long. He circles 2000 and he goes, 2000. For no reason. For no reason. He was just always fucking. I remember he came on set one day, uh, first time director, and he comes out day two and goes, What's going on, Mars? Mars is the director. And he says, Today's my last day. He walks out. Everybody's like, you just lost Christopher Walken in the movie. So he went out and walking again. He was fucking with him. He just fucked with everybody. Was it you that told me a story? It might have been on the same movie. Or somebody told me that something to do with dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. No, I don't remember. They were, someone did a movie with him and they were. Oh, they, so it was in a lake? No. I don't think so. I think the story that I heard was they were in, they got picked up from base camp to go to set and they're in a van and it was like a long drive and it was like five in the morning, four 35 in the morning. So it's still dark out and they're driving just through like countryside and no one's talking because everyone's half asleep in the van and it's really quiet and Watkins just looking out the window and he says something like dinosaurs used to be all over. Could you imagine dinosaurs? I would not. Could you it. imagine dinosaurs out there? Not just dinosaurs everywhere. But I. Wow. What's the lake story? I know there was a. There's something where they couldn't find him anywhere, and he was like, finally they saw him. He was like, he had to be on set. They found him like he was in the lake, naked. <laughs> and he was just like, he's like, I hope there's no alligators in here. There's something I don't remember exactly. He was on Conan O'Brien once too, and he goes, I go. Conan's like, so what do you, how do you, you're, you're such of a, a weird or cool way of doing things, like a unique way of like acting. He's like, most people, <clears throat> he says, when they're acting, they, they're not really talking, they're not thinking about what they're going to say. They, you know, they just say it. So a lot of times I try to think of other things while I'm saying my lines. In the stand, Conan. <laughs> Conan's like, uh, so what do you no. think about now? He goes, I don't know, tacos. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I think he's become a bit of a parody of himself. Like I every, feel like... Everybody does walk. And I mean, I remember Kevin Spacey and I on the set of Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, this movie Clint Eastwood did. And and and, and uh, Spacey was always, he and I were always doing dueling walk-ins. This is back in like 97, 98. Yeah. 
and no one was really doing it, but we were always messing with it. And I used to do, like, I don't do a great Spacey, but I used to do Spacey. I remember Spacey and I went to a concert one day with a whole bunch of people. And went to a concert? We went, he took me to see the Wallflowers. What? These two girls, me, Kevin Spacey, went to the Wallflowers concert. And I've done two movies with them, and he, I always tell the story, but, you know, we're, we're out there, and all of a sudden I go, where did Kevin go? And he's, he's walking on the stage, handing Dylan, uh, Jacob Dylan a guitar. And uh, he was just, a, he, he was a cool, he was, you know, he called me up, he goes, hey, it's Kev, what's going on? I'm like, hey, just, uh, you know, smoking a joint with my buddy. He's like, I'll be over in 10. <laughs> you know? Just like, I remember we went to Virgin Record, Virgin Megastore. Yeah. And we were looking at laser discs. And I saw <laughs> Alligator Albino, Albino Alligator. Albino it was Alligator. the movie that he directed, so I was going to buy it. It was like seven ninety nine. so I was going to have him sign it just as, it'd be funny. Yeah. Directed. It wasn't a big commercial success, but I yeah. liked the movie. So I, I go, hey, Kev, I was wondering if you'd sign this for me. Could you put two Kevin Spacey on an albino alligator? That's a good space. And he looks at me and goes, why are you talking like that? I go, <laughs> I'm doing an impression of you. He's like, I don't fucking talk like that. <laughs> I remember working with Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood kind of goes, all right, Michael, I just want you to acknowledge the jury on this take. And then Kevin, he goes, Kevin, when you say the line about the boy, just make sure he's like, I can't hear you. What? I said, when you're saying the line again, I, uh, I, I don't understand, Clint. I don't, I don't understand. God damn it. When I, when you say the line about the boy, I want you to come over here. <laughs> Fuck, we don't have to do this. Like, he just got so pissed Annoyed. that Kevin couldn't hear him or understand him. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. But, you know, I, I, it's fun being on the set. You know that with big, like, these these people that you always, like, idolize you like Clint Eastwood this you just sit there and go what am I doing I remember Clint Eastwood going he had a unforgiven chair you know his unforgiven Oscar award winning you know his, his chair that he sits in is an unforgiven chair is an unforgiven chair all leathery and like leather straps and everything it's oh, like cowboy shit. style and I go man that's awesome he's like oh, go ahead and sit in it you know you want to no yeah that's he was so awesome rad. he doesn't I remember when I auditioned for this movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil I remember they, they were like uh, hey uh I auditioned and I thought I did okay. Mm. And then I come back and they're like, hey, Clint would like you to be a little more subtle. I'm like, Clint, Clint saw the tape? It's like, yeah, he cast from tape. Wow. So I did it and I got cast. I remember I went on set and the producer took me to meet him and goes, I just want to say if uh, you gave a sensational audition, <laughs> if you do what you did in the audition, I'll be very happy. I was like, Clint, you can fire me right now. I've had enough. This is awesome. That's <laughs> I totally pulled a Chris Farley out, and he laughed. And he was he was great. Came out for beers with us. Him, Cusack, we all hung out. Spacey, at this little place called Pinky Masters in Savannah, Georgia. We all had beers. I go, hey, can I get you some Jack Daniels? Like, ah, you know what? Buy me a light beer. A and light. I went and got him a light beer. That was fuck. Yeah, that's man. amazing. It's amazing. I have a, there's a picture right there in that shitter in my shitter, right there with him holding my tie. You know, I'm gonna go choking me that. with tie. I mean, it was just like that. It was moments like that. Like, you just go, hey, man, this is awesome. This, we're lucky. We're lucky. We, yeah. Sure. And then there's moments like now where I'm like, Get what fired. the fuck am I going to do for the next month? Root canals, fucking, yeah. you know, fucking back surgeries. Depends. There's your dog. I hear my dog Irv barking. All right, man. Well, we fucking knocked it out of the park, I think. Dude, this is great, man. Um, we've been trying to do this for a long time. I know. I mean, well. You're you know, never in town. Well, we're both not busy now. We're both doing we, we nothing both, with our lives. Maybe we'll do this like once a week. <laughs> Can we do this tomorrow? Yeah. We are, you, are you free in an hour? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll be back after lunch. 
Uh, well, thanks for doing this, Mike. Yeah, and pleasure. thank you for listening, people. See ya. Whether it's our hearts, lungs, or other organs, the word diagnosis tends to make us uneasy. At Kaiser Permanente, our specialists care for you and about you, working together, creating a treatment plan specific to your diagnosis and total health. So from primary to specialty care, find reassurance in a great team of healthcare professionals committed to your healthy recovery. Visit kp.org slash specialty care to learn more. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States Incorporated, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.